Good morning and welcome to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Ben Dobbin with you this morning. I'm sorry uh, I wasn't with you yesterday, just a bit dusty and uh, a lot to get through um, this morning for you. Uh, very good morning to everybody through 4SB in Kingaroy, 4ZR Rome, 4VL in Charleville, 4HI in Emerald, 4LM Mount Isa, 4LG Longreach, 4GC Charters Towers in the Hot Country Network. Good morning to you. Matt Canavan, Senator Matt Canavan for Queensland will be joining us shortly. Anthony Highland with an update on Dolby sale yesterday. I'll give you Gracemere and also Roma from Tuesday. We'll also talk about the wait times with ambulance and how this is going to have an effect on the bush and Robbie Catter as well. Big show for you. So much to get through. Now, if you missed any of our shows, you can always go to Spotify. It's there. It's simple. It's a really easy process. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin across Rural Queensland Today. Senator Matt Canavan joins us next. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Uh, Senator for Queensland, Matt Canavan, joins us this morning. And look, this has been a long time coming, but um, this and this is a coalition initiative. They make no mistakes about it. The, the LMP did a phenomenal thing when more than 10 years ago they made a commitment to construct the Rookwood Weir. Matt Canavan, good morning. Um, we are almost at the end, but gee whiz, what could have been... A lot quicker, a lot simpler. Um, it, it, we've got to the end with some kicking and screaming from the Labor government, but it's only going to benefit Queensland. Good morning. Yeah, it's a good morning, uh, Ben. It's a great morning. Tremendous morning uh, for Queensland to, to wake up and have a new dam, a uh, new big weir. It's the biggest weir that the country's built since World War Two. Uh, so it's, it's a sizable thing, even though it's not called a dam because the water stays in the river, but it backs up 50 k's there from near Durinda, west of Rockhampton. So that's going to open up a huge amount of country. Uh, it should double agricultural output in the Fitzroy. So, look, it's just fantastic and uh, I'm glad we got here. As you say, it was a, a long, hard struggle. Uh, I remember, you know, you know, having to convince Malcolm Turnbull back in the day and he committed the funds of Barnaby Joyce in 2016. And we went through this back and forth of the Queensland government. I mean, they're the hardest mob to deal with on the planet. And uh, I'm convinced that if we hadn't won the 2019 election, nothing had happened before then, if we hadn't have won the 2019 election, uh, this would have been scrapped, and uh, you can kind of uh, attest that for the fact of what the Labor Party has done since they've been in government since they won the 2022 election. They've actually slashed $7 billion worth of dam funding across the state, uh, including Narada Dam, Hillscape Dam, and I'm sure they would have got rid of Rookwood Weir. It was just too far progressed by the time they got to power. It had to be completed, so that's great for us. The, the, you touch on a great point, and I'm going to talk a little later about it, but the blowouts in this state, now you, you're a federal senator, but you live in Queensland and you're a proud Queenslander, so you said firsthand what a schmozzle this state government is doing. The blowouts from a, a rail line in the Gold Coast, um, the, the Cross City River Rail, I mean that's $5 billion out of side of budget. Then you talk about well, they're going to knock down a stadium and, and build an Olympic stadium and that's going to cost them and, and what was going to be 1.5 is now 5. And so we're, we're up to billions of dollars, billions of billions of dollars of blowouts. Yet they don't pull it from the cities. They pull it from things like what you talked about, you ran a damn hell's gate. I mean, areas where you talk about job creation and, and future growth and, and regions and Everything that makes sense, they're so Sydney-centrified and so city-centrified, it, it is almost embarrassing. Oh, that's exactly right. And, and this project alone, it was originally cost of 260 came in over $500 million, the Rookwood Weir. Uh, we had to do these turtle ladders. And as I say, every excuse under the book was put forward not to do it, despite the legion of studies that have been done going back to Peter Beattie's days. So 
yeah, there's, there's always an excuse. There's always a way of uh, padding on costs for different bureaucracies. And now the trade unions have their hooks into all these projects. They've got these ridiculous rules associated with construction, which some estimate have blown out the cost of building roads in Queensland by 50%. Uh, and you know, this is—I think this is a tired old Labor government here in Queensland that is effectively using the leaves of power to, to provide patronage to their uh, to their preferred partners, uh, especially in the trade union movement. And we all have to pay for that. At the end of the day, you pay for high taxes, uh, reduced services. Look at our health system. I mean, I know we're, we're running around here, but that's of all the, the pieces of infrastructure the Queensland government has control of. Our health system is just an abomination right now. A couple of people in Brisbane just last week have died because of a, a lack of uh, services um, yep. from heart attacks. Uh, it's just unbelievable that they've got to this level. And look, something's got to change. There's an election next year, mate. So, uh, uh, you know, I just think people should be thinking thinking closely about that. What about that there is talk and, you know, and, and I'm being honest here, that, you know, there'll be water allocations giving to uh, Twiggy Forest Fortescue Green yep. Hydrogen Project in Gladstone. Um, it's not talk. It's not talk. It's uh, it's their plan. The state government, we, it wasn't part of our plans. Our, when we signed off on this when we were in government, there was 30,000 megalitres of the 86,000 that it will deliver every year. 30,000 was reserved for Gladstone. Uh, and that was for industry. We wanted to see manufacturing, uh, you know, uh, industrial development continue there at Gladstone. Uh, at the time, there wasn't a customer. It was just sort of there in case, you know, we would reserve it. Um, Quiggy's put his hand up in the interim. And uh, the state government have ticked off on that, and they're going to send. Um, it's not clear how much of that thirty thousand. They're going to send some of that down to Gladstone on the pipeline they're building right now from the Rupert Weir. Uh, in fact, sorry, it'll come from the barrages, but effectively the water will be from the Rupert Weir, and um, and uh, that will be turned into hydrogen. Now, so so just, just we need to explain in plain English what this means. We'll be taking the scarcest, most valuable resource in our nation, our water, the driest continent on earth. Take our water. Burn it. That's what you do. You, you, you know, wants to use the wind factories and solar factories to heat it up and burn it, electricity. Take the hydrogen molecules, molecules and then send that to Japan and Korea. We're effectively exporting our water to Japan and Korea. Uh, this is insane. But you've got it. But the problem is, hey, the, the lefties here spell it out in such complex, detailed language that they don't quite grasp the fact that you are exporting our fresh water to another country. If we instead said, hey, look, we've got this plan, we're going to put we're going to put um, uh, a bunch of uh, fresh water into bladders and send it on a on a ship over to Japan and Korea. It wouldn't pass muster, right? right no one would agree to that. We'd but go that's what we're rocket. doing. We're just doing this complex manufacturing process in the interim to extract the hydrogen, the H from the H2O, and exporting our fresh water to Japan and Korea. It's insane. It needs to be stopped. So let me just get this straight. I spoke to some water yesterday. They confirmed to me that Fortescue does not have any allocation at Rookwood Weir. None. No allocation. They've never been given a water license. They haven't bought it yet. It yeah, hasn't yeah. been transferred. But yeah, so, yeah. as I said, it's the plans of the but state the, government. But the, government, the state government, government has confirmed that they're going to do this. So this is off well, their Well, that's back. their plans. Yeah. That's their plans. I mean, who knows with Tuggy whether this will ever you know, come off. Obviously, a lot of talk around hydrogen, a lot of talk around green energy. Who knows whether the cash has ever actually stumped up. But the Queensland government's plans right now are to do this. They talk about glass and on hydrogen up. They've talked about it coming from Rookwood Weir. And look, there's still time. There's still time to stop this. So people should get angry about this and say, do you, you think we should be exporting our fresh water to Japan and Korea? I'm okay exporting our coal, our gas, we've got lots of it. We can share it with the world. I'm not okay with their exporting our water. Can I ask you about renewables, why I've got you, Senator? I mean, we've sure. become, we, 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 we have become, to me, the biggest nanny state ever. And I just want to spell it out for everybody listening to it, and I've spoken many times before about this. If you live in Charleville, 
Unfortunately, now you're under the Reef Regulations Act. Um, UNESCO um, have got some two-bit scientists to come out and he's made some statements. And unfortunately, you, you, you are in a real predicament. It doesn't matter where you live, whether or not you're in Mount Isa, whether or not you're in Gladstone, it doesn't matter. You're under the same regulation. You're under vegetation laws that are absolutely barbaric, so you can't um, try in any way to clear land. All that being aside, if you go and say, hey, I want to put up a wind farm or a solar farm, mm-hmm. they go, clear away. Do what you want. Destroy the nature. Destroy everything. And it's happening in your neck of the woods more than anywhere at the moment. Yeah, but it's more it close is, to the Great Barrier Reef than Charleville. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is the problem. This is the problem. Uh, there, there is a uh, law unto themselves because we are so hell-bent on renewables. And it's it's almost embarrassing how hypocritical it is, but no one seems to want to talk about this in the cities. No one wants to say, hang on, they're banning farmers and the production, which feeds the nation is and brings so much money and jobs and everything for foreign-owned companies to come in, buy land, clear them, destroy the land, to put up renewable energy solar farms and wind farms. It's, it's almost embarrassing. Yeah, you've summed it up really well, Ben. Uh, look, I mean... One thing I would add here is it's not just land. Uh, typically with the wind factories, what they're doing is building these ridge lines on, on the tops of mountains, and they have to get a flat pad to, to put these massive monstrosities. You know, these things now at the bottom, wind turbines are as tall as the Eiffel Tower, and they're 300 metres in the, in the sky. And and they need a massive flat pad of 200 by 200 square metres. So that means you've got to chop off a huge mount of the mountain, which is obviously uh, lumpy and not flat. They got to chop off sometimes twenty and thirty meters of that mountaintop to get that flat pad. Where does all that sediment go? That, that twenty or thirty meters gets blown up like a mining operation. It blows up the tops of mountains and turns down the side of, of of the ridges. And as you say, if a farmer was just to clear a few trees down the valley, he'd be he'd be you know hauled before the courts. He'd be made to uh, be a criminal. These foreign companies can blow up mountains. Where's the, where all all the sediment that runs up? This is we're talking we're talking only only fifty sixty kilometers from the reef where these things are going. Uh, 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 so not charleville and 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 those sediment's going to end up in the Fitzroy River, going right out to to the reef. And so where is the regulation? Where is the oversight here? These guys can continually get away with blue murder. And look, I'm not the world's biggest greedy dot, dot, but I, I I don't want to see our pristine wildernesses you know, uh, that are left for koalas or sugar gliders destroyed like this. Uh, we don't have a lot of areas those left. The way our nation has developed, these areas often often haven't been developed because they are rocky ridge lines. Uh, they should be protected, and I'm actually fighting with the Greens there uh, in Rockhampton, the local Greens, uh, outraged by it, and I think rightly so. Uh, and then what do we get for it? We get these, we get these, these, these power systems that don't work, that are not all the time, that are effectively the dull budgets of our energy system. They only have to work when they want to. Uh, we all pay more for it in the end, and these guys from overseas make a whole lot of money by destroying our environment. It's absurd. And we've seen the fires. Um, we know that lithium batteries don't work. We know that there's there's no systems at all. Why have we gone away from from what's our priority, Matt? And, you're, and we're talking with Senator Matt. Cameron. A lot of money. There's a lot of money. Uh, I'm convinced that's the primary reason. A lot of people make a lot of money out of this. They've found a way to fleece uh, taxpayers, to fleece uh, energy consumers, uh, on the basis of the fact that they're doing something right. They're apparently angels among us saving the planet. But you know, we're not going to save the, the polar bear by killing the koala bear. Uh, that's what we're being asked to, to do right now. In fact, in one of these uh, renewable energy operators. EIS in their, in their environmental impact statement. It says that they 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 have to uh, bludgeon koalas in the, in the event that they're they're hurt um, from the clearing of this land. It's 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 just it's totally inhumane. So 
Yeah, that, that's what's happening out there. Uh, unfortunately, it's a, it's a long way from those voters in the cities that have been hoodwinked into believing uh, this is some kind of uh, uh, indulgence um, investing in renewable energy that assuages their sins of consuming too much in, a, in the concrete jungles they live in. Uh, so it's hard. It's hard to push back against that. But I think the wheel is turning here. I think more and more people are waking up to the environmental destruction that's occurring. And, of course, everybody in the country can see that despite all the promises, uh, despite all, all the all, all, all the stations, your power bills are going up every quarter. Uh, you keep getting told that renewable energy is the cheapest form of energy around, yet the more we install it, the higher we price we seem to pay. Yeah, I really appreciate your time this morning, mate. You, you talk so much sense. We probably need to get you on more on this show. Uh, oh, you talk more than so happy much to. Sense. Good on you. Thanks so much. Congratulations thanks, on the good week. We appreciate your time. Matt Canavan, Senator thanks, for thanks, Queensland. Mate. Cheers, mate. We'll Cheers, take mate. a break. Yeah, Come back. Mate. Rural Queensland today. Anthony Highland joining us this morning on Rural Queensland today. Not far away, Robbie Cattle will join us, as well as this ambulance wait time is just out of control. But uh, yesterday, Dolby kicked a little bit, um, and we have him to discuss the Dolby market off the back of some rain in, in that part of town. G'day, mate. How are you? Well, thank you, Ben. How was the job? Um, obviously, firstly, in fact, I should get a bit of an update. Um, just some, some rain around... Um, the the central the, the southwest and your parts in the Boulogne, how has it been? Yeah, it, it's been very very welcome, Ben. But and and look, there's probably still a few uh, parts of the areas that have have missed um, some decent falls. But over the majority, or eighty percent of the Boulogne shore and out to Cunnamulla and and through the catchment zone, that we we're basically sitting on eighty plus mils. 80 and some some people have been up to probably 140 or 50 over the two weeks. Yeah. So it, it's a massive start. Good and and it you know it it the, the rain was caught and soaking beautifully. Everything's responded, but it's probably some of our our producers in the run back closer to Deer and Bandy Ben that have been on the lighter end of it. You know, 16 to 30 mils probably. Yeah. Um. So hopefully you know it can catch in down there, but. Look, there's the 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 moonies the moonies running. I think we'll have water down here by Tuesday in Indy Gully and Fallon by Tuesday. Um, talk of the Boulogne going to have a bit of a trickle shortly. So look, think things you, you couldn't see a bit. I've never seen a a fall of rain like this since I've been here, which isn't a long time. But for November rain, uh, it's it's a massive start and it's the one we needed. And, and I don't think it's over yet. They've still got a bit down here for every day for the next sort of three or four days. So. Very wet and very welcome. So Dolby yesterday, they've had a lot of rain as well. Um, and you would think there was only close on 2,000 head there because of the falls. How was that market? Yeah, very, very responsive to what's been going on. And, and I was surprised that we actually yarded 1,700 cattle. I, I thought it might have been back to 1,000 or, or less. And so, uh, look, cattle, yeah, yeah, people need wanted to sell to get some money. And, and what a great time. But look, Ben, the market... 20 to 30 better on, on, on all categories. Um, some parts of the market, you could have said realistically 50 cents, um, especially the feeder weight cattle, um, struggling to find those numbers at the moment. And, and that job has gotten better uh, in the new year. So, you know, it's weight's been running out for a while. Well, it's, it's certainly proved its point that everything a lot stronger. Cows, $2.40. Bullocks, $2.70. Feeder steers, three twenty and 
and add them up on the stores, mate. It was yeah, it was on for what was on offer. So the prime job is interesting. They're getting close to obviously calling it day a day in the prime job. How how was that market all in all? And and is there a demand getting towards the end, or are they just trying to they're trying to limp to the end? Oh, I think they're probably just trying to get through it. Um, you know, look, we we know where the processing job was, or oh, the kill market. I say that and. And look, it, it was it was struggle street as a producer to, to, to cop some of the rates that were being offered, and, and um, you, you know, for for everyone to do business, well, uh, they've probably pulled back. The processes are just probably trying to get through till the end of the run. I no doubt about it. There was a lot of cattle uh, booked and probably double and triple booked into into all the major processes, and I'd definitely say that a lot of those cattle are now not in the in the book. So. Um, uh, they've got a, they've still got a few weeks to kill yet. So if it gets any better, um, who knows? But geez, it's good to see a bullet get back up to two dollars seventy and and nearly two dollars eighty. I mean, three weeks ago we were, we, we were struggling to get over two dollars for a, a bloody good bullet, you know. So probably goes to show there's, there's plenty left in it, and and this and this you know starting to shape up, but processes might be looking for Christmas Day a little bit earlier now. Yeah, you did right. I appreciate your detailed report this morning and thank you so much um, for being with us and, and, and rightly so that we wanted to see um, a, a change and we got it and so I appreciate your time. Thanks so much for being with us, Anthony. No, thanks, Ben. You have a good week. Good on you. Uh, Anthony Highland from Grant Daniel Long and St George. Good rain in the Ballon and uh, that market lifting uh, considerably uh, on all, all all items yesterday in Dolby. Now let's head to Gracemere, thousand and sixty four head. Um, the buying panel was restricted um, because of uh, the fact is that there just was a lot of rain around. Lightweight pen steers sold to three eighty five, uh, considerably dearer. Uh, feedlot paid up to two eighty for growing steers, while a few processors two sixty five growing heifers to two forty five. Cows were very light in supply. Um, they made up to 250. Cows and calves um, paid between 700 and 1300. Not great condition, but um, that market improved considerably. Uh, we we probably didn't give you the full the um, the full market, um, and and that, that's on me as well. I was off yesterday due to illness, um, and I'm I'm sorry for not being with you. But the Roma sale, obviously, um, on Tuesday. It had a. There was a lot to like about what happened with Roma. Um, now, when you talk about just exactly where where the market is um, and 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 the and the way that this job is going, you've got to look at where we were three weeks ago. And Anthony Highland just said that as well. You know, it was an extremely um, poor market three weeks ago. We heard it in everyone's voices, and we actually understand. Um, how bad it was and how bad it's been. But there was 2,575 head yarded on Tuesday. Wiener steers under 200 topped to three bucks. Wiener steers 200 to 280 um, reached to 356 to average 308. Steers 280 to 330 reached 338 to average 301. And steers 330 to 400 made 278 to average 250. The market clearly um, was dearer and there were some very, very good results throughout that. Now, when you want to look at the the market reports and and how it's going, you've got to see, well, okay, not everybody could get cattle in there. 
Um, the uh, market is always extremely strong, but um, the, the big thing about it was that, that, that there were some very, very good results that happened there. HEP is under 200, kilos topped at 282, average 245. They were back up to 290 for that 200 to 280. That's almost a dollar on three weeks ago. HEP is 280 to 330, topped at 270 to average 232. That's a 50 cents increase. HEP is 330 to 400, 246 to average 207. So well done to them. Cows under the between 300 to 400, reach 193. And um, there were bulls making 235. And that is a much better result from the sale uh, that took place the other day. We'll take a break at Roma, come back. Uh, we're going to catch up very shortly with Robbie Catter and also this dreadful case that's been going on with wait times with ambulance. This is Rural Queensland Today. Welcome back to Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Robbie Catter joining us this morning on the 23rd of November. Rob, good morning. Um, I appreciate your time. Um, thanks so much for giving me some time. You're in Julia Creek and they've had some rain overnight. Yeah, mate. It bucketed down trying to get from the car to the pub for dinner last night. was um, got absolutely drenched, so I reckon. I thought it might have felt like about 30 or 40 mils. And um, but I was talking to Mick Highland, the agent here. He said he tipped about twenty five mil out, but that was within an hour. Uh, so it it just bucketed down. I saw it went out to about Concurry, uh, some falls. So um, gives it good, good good start opportunity for a bit of optimism, mate. Yeah, yeah, a start that everybody needs as well, mate. Um. We, we continually, I mean, you want to talk about cost blowouts, and and I, I'm starting to get a little sick and tired of this. The Minister Mark Bailey, um, the Gold Coast Rail, $2.5 million, billion-dollar blowout, right, uh, on the budget. You've yep. got the Cross City Rail, another $2.5 billion. You've got a stadium that's going to be knocked down. First estimates were it's going to be, you know, maybe $1.5 billion. It's now going to be somewhere in the vicinity of three. So I'm looking at it, as we just speak, close on $7 billion outside the budget from what these absolute galahs, because that's what they are, the Labor Party, have promised. Yeah. Now, this money's got to come from somewhere. It's got to yeah. come from somewhere, and it's us in the bush, yeah. the services. And I'm sick to death of it, mate. And they've started, from a federal perspective and a state perspective, pulling funding like you've never seen in your life before, and this is all because of the complete incompetence of a government that cannot run a, a nation and cannot run a state. Yeah, mate, and, you know, the, the frustrating thing, I mean, you, you said it um, very cleanly there, is that the, all those things are um, indulgences, you know, like getting to work a bit faster in the city, that's great, but does that make the state extra money or does that help us pay the bills? Does it help us pay the bills? No, it doesn't. Does, um, you know, building a new stadium, does that help pay the bills? No, it doesn't. That's, that's a... That's a draw on our resources. In fact, you know, you put in the depreciation and and whatnot uh, for the um, in your budgets, and it, it's a it's a massive draw on our budgets. But you build a road, uh, you know, strategic road like, um, and I'm I'm probably being pro here because I just know my area better. But up through Birkenhead or the Thorntonia Road, um, you know, critical beef roads where you can start moving livestock and um, minerals. When um, in the wet area, you know, wet times of the year, where, um, that was one of the projects that they canned, or Dingo Park Road, 
that's um, that's going to a big feedlot. They could get up to ten thousand head um, feedlot and and start um, carting in feed in uh, throughout the entire year, so they could operate um, a lot longer throughout the year. And that sort of stuff makes money for the country. And uh, they're economic drivers, and um, you build critical bridges, roads, and stuff. That's that's um, especially in the heavy industry areas. Well, that makes the money for the state. And uh, that's the sort of stuff that got cut. So, um, you know, just shows you that the pathway for this economic destruction that they, they put us on, um, it's not going to happen overnight, but you just can't keep doing this stuff. You know, there's got to be a reckoning at some point. You can't keep spending money on, on all these indulgences. Well, what is the reckoning? I, I, they don't seem to have any – look, I'm, I'm, I'm interested you say that there's got to be a reckoning. Well, aren't we getting it at the moment? Because I don't know. I don't know what what we're dealing with. I, I mean that because where does the money? Oh, st- when does it stop? Is it a recession? Like there, where, well, where, where does it stop? Actually, there is a bit of a reckoning because they they have no uh, imagination or, or no uh, knowledge of how to build the economy without just throwing cash at new capital projects, and they do that where there's you know heavy populations. And that's driving, you know, it's played a big hand driving inflation now because it's driving construction costs up and it's also driving the housing crisis. You can't, you know, you can't put down thousands of construction workers into these um, these big bulky mega projects in the city and not not expect there's going to be a reckoning um, somewhere else. And, you know, try getting, a, try getting a large-scale housing project up in the regions, anywhere outside the southeast when, you know, big construction firms, they know all the... Well, that government works there for the next ten years, being the Olympics. So, um, you know, good luck solving a housing crisis while you you keep promising all these bloody stadiums and uh, you know big social mega projects in the city. Um, good luck trying to solve the housing crisis at the same time. And you know they might try and solve it in Brisbane, but anywhere else in the state, it's bloody near on impossible. Yeah, that that's the that's the thing that I struggle with, and I mean that it is that everybody will suffer in rural and regional Queensland off the back of these decisions and these cost buyouts. And you can say what you want. Um, they're trying to fix the bridge at Centenary. Uh, as you come in on the Centenary Highway, that two-lane either way, that bottleneck. Yep. But they don't want to fix the beef road. They don't want to fix the roads that matter. And that that, that is – the roads are what drives the nation because of where all the royalties come from, for where all the money's made. But – it, it just makes no sense. We have just lost our way so much. Rob, another yeah. area we've lost our way is this gillnet fishing. Now, you were so strong about it last week, Parliament yeah. last week, and you were confident that you were going to have a chat at some point to Mark mm. Ferner about this and that there yeah. could have been, when you gave uh, your sign petition, um, I'm thinking to myself, well, we might get somewhere here. But we're nowhere mm. near it. We're nowhere near it at all. 10,000, over 10,000 signatures, um, which is remarkable. It's all they get. And getting those sort of numbers for a petition, um, especially when it's a regional issue up in North Queensland, like that's a that's a big number, um, which is really promising because that, that shows you a hell of a lot of people outside of fishing and even commercial, just commercial fishing. Usually there's a big tension between the recreational fishermen and the commercial fishermen, but, um, you know, not many uh, recreational fishermen are coming out on this because um, they just know this is this is just the pathway for you know, that we've been on for everything for the tree clearing, the reef regulations, and the fishing. It's all driven by the Greens and UNESCO and um, the government. I mean, it's it's um, like clockwork. Every 
every uh, election term, they've especially coming in the election, they've got to outcompete with the Greens. So they've got to go hard on one of these issues. And they picked on commercial fishing. Yep. And, um, yeah, mate, I'm not going to say it's the end of the world, but I tell you what, it's a bloody big blow to um, oh, places like Corumba. Well, um, yeah, but if it happens to one industry, it happens to many more. That's the that's the area that, that I have. That, that's know? right, mate, and, and there's no stopping this. Like, you know, people say you've got to compromise with them and let's just give them something. I mean, and that's, that's fair enough for industry people who are battling for their lives to say let's do anything to keep it going, but you've got to understand they'll just never stop with this stuff, mate. Like, um, and from a political sense, we've just got to bloody belt them back in the face and, and say enough's enough. Um, you know, you know, offers in Paris for UNESCO doesn't run this country. And um, that seems to be what just keeps happening over and over again where um, we keep getting dictated by um, boardrooms and banks and UNESCO putting new policies in. And next minute, bloody, you know, banks are... Banks are issuing policy that affects tree clearing on on um, cattle stations and and farms, and then next thing you got bloody fishing being banned because uh, people have got these ideas on. They've been watching too much Finding Nemo and David Attenborough on TV, and they start feeling all warm and fuzzy. And they're not even using science now, Bobo. Like at least they had the decency in the tree clearing debate to put up some um, dodgy, you know, some rubbish science. Um, that you know, at least they had the decency to try. But now in the Gulf, they didn't even put any science up. They just said, no, nah, look, it, there's no science behind this. We've just, Tanya Plutus signed a letter with UNESCO, so we've got to do it. And, um, mate, it's, I, I don't know, I just, you, you can't, you can't sort of illustrate how serious this is uh, for the future of our country because you, you just keep multiplying this forward if you, and our governments just roll over for these um, people that flippantly just make these decisions from Paris. And we're expected to just well, you write, take it and say, oh, that's just how it is. Well, mate, like, where's our country going to be? Yeah. You've just kissed goodbye to um, the the supply of fresh ocean caught fish, and which means, yeah, still fish farms in Australia. Sure, that's not going to keep up with demand on you, but even if you so you, you've just invited in fish from um, where they flog out the fisheries in Indonesia and, and the likes, where they get it cheaply from Asia. So you're just going to you've just welcomed the import of that to keep fish on the table here in Australia, and um, and smashed industries, towns like Corumba and my electorate. You just smashed the town of Corumba. Um, you know, at best you've cut it in half. And that doesn't seem to be a problem for anyone, and or, or at least the government. And um, geez, mate, I, I just I don't know. I just can't speak strongly enough as to how people got to take note, stand up and fight against this stuff because. Um, I just hate to think of the country we're going to be living in if we just keep letting stuff happen. Yeah, and you're dead right, um, which is which is really um, important that that we are across all this and we know it. If there is a change of government, are you confident that that this would be abolished and, and that the uh, LNP next year would, you know, completely toss this out? Yeah, mate. Um, I am confident if if um, a government was formed where they needed us, uh, that we could turn this around um, you know I, th- I think um, if we're in there with the LNP we could um, in state parliament I'm sure we could turn this around in, in, the, in the Gulf at least the east coast is gone um, and it's, it's gone now the decision's made the season's finished they're not going to be able to restart next season uh, so um, you know everyone can just kiss goodbye to that they said it was impacting the reef but, but Gilnest don't even go anywhere near the reef sure but 
um, that that's gone with the gold fishery. We still have a chance of saving that, but we've got to get rid of labour in Queensland, and um, and I'd argue uh, we need KAP in there with um, the um, LMP to uh, to keep it in check and um, and try and turn some of these things around. How long do you start announcing uh, people who will be running in different seats? How far away is that? Well, we've got we've got three on the ground now, mate, and um, we just we just want to focus on. Um, you know, mainly Western regions and North Queensland, and, and make sure that um, that's strongly represented. That stick to our strengths and not try and be evident to everyone. So um, we'll focus on that. And we've got um, a fellow up there in Cook at the moment that's um, that's going really well. That um, we're really hopeful for getting up, but in, in the far north and um, and a couple of candidates in Townsville as well. But um, we're really happy with. So we'll see how we go, mate. But I think. Um, I, I think we could do some good things for regional Queensland if, yeah, if we can get rid of Labor and, and um, form a minority government with the LNP. I think I agree 100%. Appreciate your time, Rob. Thanks so much for being with us. Thanks, Dollar. We'll take a break. Come back with more. Welcome back to Rural Queensland today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. Well, it was only going to be a matter of time um, that something had to happen around our health system with the ambulance wait times. Now, we've talked about this many, many times in the rural areas, and we understand, and even talking with Emma Jackson, um, the Royal Flying Doctor's local hero, around exactly what was going on with the ambulance times, um, she said, look, it took hours and hours. Now, that's all right when you're living remotely, but we've always had an issue with the lack of services in the health department in the rural and regional areas. But when... It happens in the CBD, and when it happens in the metropolitan areas, it's funny how it becomes an issue that, you know, is now much broader and is obviously now right in the headlights of the media. The Queensland Emergency Health System is under so much fire this morning after it became apparent of the passing of a 51-year-old mother waiting more than one and a half hours for an ambulance that never came. Now, she was a single mum. Her name was Kath Groom. and She called triple zero with chest pains at 10.26pm last Friday. The call was delegated as an urgent code one, meaning an ambulance should be there at her home in under 15 minutes. No ambulance was assigned. At 10.53, 90 minutes later and after multiple calls to triple zero and no ambulance had arrived, leading this Brisbane mother to cancel the request and go to bed. She had intended to go to a nearby hospital first thing in the morning. But the next morning at 9.28am, she was found deceased. I um I, I can't even begin to I can't even begin to speak about this. Health Minister who's been on the show, Shannon Fenderman, and the Queensland Ambulance Service Commissioner Craig Emery both admitted there were no excuses for the tragic failing. But that does not bring back uh, a family member, a mum, and I have to think personally. For her son, this single mother has passed. Now look, Queensland can say what they want, but they have the busiest ambulance service in the country. 
and they have the, the look the team that are working. It's not about that. They're just understaffed. Both the health minister and the Queensland Ambulance Service Commissioner said the Queensland Ambulance Service was expecting a surge in demand on Friday night. Response times for that day were quite within the normal limits, but in a small period of time, somewhere between 9 o'clock and the early hours of Saturday morning, they were stretched. It doesn't happen all day, every day, but they actually had some of the best response times in the country. In fact, that most people get their ambulances on an average of eight and a half minutes, but that doesn't make any difference to the family of this circumstance. Now, paramedics have been deployed from North Queensland to Brisbane to assist with the demand. The Minister has said there are a number of calls made to Groom and her family to check on her condition while she waited for the ambulance, but that is absolutely inexcusable. She had massive chest pains. It was a code one, and after 90 minutes, still no ambulance. A mother on her own. I don't care if it was one of the busiest nights. No one has since spoken to this family. Now, this is highlighting an issue because this happens and our health services, and I know this happened in Brisbane, but what they don't realise is this is a constant, constant problem in the bush. Constantly we are fighting with trying to get through and find the right ways and see what is actually going on because we are so understaffed in the ambulance service. The health minister maintained Queensland should feel confident if they call triple zero that an ambulance will arrive at an appropriate time. Well, I've got a lot of respect for the minister, but on this case, that's not, that's not true. She doesn't want Queenslanders to hesitate. Well, we, we're seeing people pass away ramping, waiting to come in and see somebody at the hospital. We're seeing response times stretched out. Now, it's not the men and women that are working in the ambulance service. It it is just not. There is an absolute diabolical mess, you know, an absolutely diabolical mess where we are so understaffed. There are not enough beds right, and the biggest issue is that this has been a long time coming. The bush is absolutely bleeding because of the lack of services. Now, I can understand why everybody is upset. I can understand why a mother, you know, and a sister would be upset that they've lost their daughter. This happens in the bush all the time. This has been going on forever and a day. And we are now dealing with this tragedy after a single mother died waiting for an hour and a half for an ambulance in the metropolitan area. She's now orphaned her son. Just horrific. Horrific. I just, for the life of me, cannot understand how this happens. Um, the Queensland Ambulance Service have a review and um, they don't understand how how she has gone down the priority line despite the urgent requests. Well, if this happens in the bush, it never makes news. And it's a bit like youth crime and we saw, used to talk about that.
But I can tell you, uh, we have got some real problems with this health system. And look, I'm not going to say that it hasn't improved under, under the health system, Minister Shannon Fetterman, but Anastasia Palaszczuk stuck with Yvette Dath for too long. And the garbage that she tossed up and her inability to make some change is now coming home to roost. This is a bloody mess, a bloody mess. And I've got to say that it is really concerning that we are in this situation. Um, I am strongly, and I mean strongly recommending, that we continue to put the pressure on. I'm going to talk more and more about this in the coming weeks because it is horrific. And our thoughts are with this family, but I, 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 the highlight is that if it's going on there, you can imagine the wait times in the bush. We need more ambulance staff. They are stretched. We need better support. We need way more uh, people being involved in our health system. We'll take a break, come back. This is Rural Queensland Today on the Resonate Broadcast Network. You're with Ben Dobbin. It is Thursday morning, the 23rd of November. Well, that's it from us here this morning at Rural Queensland today on Thursday morning, the 23rd of November. Have a great day, Queensland. And remember, when the wheat is ripe, keep the headers rolling in the paddock. We'll be back tomorrow morning from 9am on Rural Queensland today. Stay safe on the roads and really um, just try and be happy that we live in such a great state. There's a lot going on at the present moment which isn't doing us any good at all. But the bottom line is that we are united and we are one. Have a great day, Queensland. Bill McDonald joins you next. Till next time, bye for now.